All right. Uh, welcome everybody to uh, Bar Talk. This is a spirits and beverage uh, podcast on iLogic Media. Um, my name is John Foley. I'm here with my co-host Mark Miller. What's up, guys? Yeah, representing the Relief and Resource uh, Bar in Fenton, Michigan. And um, this is our first episode, our inaugural episode, and we're entitling it "The State of Whiskey." So when we uh, decided to launch the Bar Podcast, we thought um, there wasn't any subject matter that we'd rather cover with our first episode than, than whiskey. And just instead of generally talking about how whiskey is made or um, like how to properly taste whiskey, I think what we want to do is just talk generally about where whiskey's at For sure. right now in 2021. Um, it's obviously a, a worldwide important spirit. There's, there's so much going on and there's so much to talk about that I think a state of whiskey conversation is probably worth having. If you're in the beverage, and if yeah. you're in the beverage industry, like every like six months, you can talk about like yeah. where whiskey's at because everything moves so Constantly quickly. Constantly changing, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, so like what the current culture is like, uh, where the trends are, um, what's hot with whiskey cocktails, what do we see as beverage uh, professionals, and what we'd like to pass on to people who like whiskey, like talking about it, yeah. like want to hear what beverage professionals uh, have to say about it, or maybe just you know, so you can make fun of us for how horrible our takes are. <laughs> you know, to say some stupid hot take and then get you guys can shred us for it. Yeah, but, and please feel free to leave all the comments too. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and like what and what categories under the whiskey umbrella? You know, do we like what 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 are maybe being hyped right now that I'm not so hot about? Right. Because um, there's there's so much to talk about. It's it's an amazing time to be a whiskey um, a whiskey fan. Yeah, for sure. Right Absolutely. Now. Yeah. So I've been doing this type of work for um, for over twenty years. You're you're on your fifth year. Fifth year here, yep, yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And this is the first bar I've ever really worked at with where it was spirits centric, right. as opposed because you know the other bars were just you know wine, you know. Beer, you came from the beer world primarily, mainly beer, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Which is where I started. I mean, I started in two thousand four in Kalamazoo. Well, earlier than that, actually, in Kalamazoo, and Kalamazoo is a total beer and shot town. Like that was, if, if you didn't know your beer in Kalamazoo and you were bartending, you, you were kind of like probably working just at like a party bar or something. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I learned along the way too. Um, but like, I, we want to discuss some trends. We want to discuss, yeah, like, sure. you know, just the things that we like about it because it's my favorite spirit. Yeah, for yeah, sure, absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's definitely the spirit that's most represented at the bar we. That we, that we own yeah. or work at. I mean, the how many? If you had to like guesstimate how many bottles of whiskey we have back there, a or true a true guesstimation. Yeah. Not a not a guess or an estimate. An S. Well, yes. Well, doing both at the same yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> okay, that's hard. Um, doing both, both guessing and estimating. I think probably two hundred. Like yeah. Over two hundred. We fluctuate around the two hundred bottle level depending on what's out. Like over Christmas time, when allocated whiskeys come out and there's more specialty stuff, we we balloon up right. and then, yeah. you know, during summer when we're not adding as much product, we're just kind of working off our inventory. We have, you know, maybe 200 or sub 200, but it's right around that number. Nice. Yeah. And yeah. I, I mean, cool. unless I build like some library shelves, I'm probably not going to be able to like carry too many more than that. Like yeah. that's, that's our, our back bar right is, is pretty, pretty stocked at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We were saving you the viewer, um, the, the awkward visual of us standing behind the bar right. with nothing to do with our hands. Because uh, it just didn't set up right, and this is a better setup yeah. for for the conversation. But you could have seen the bottles, but the rest of it would have been terrible. So, uh, like, so let's 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 get into it. Like, yeah. current current trends in whiskey. Um, what do we see as as beverage professionals? What's cool? What isn't? Like, mm -hmm. what? 
Well, I think What's one, of, one of the big trends I think you're seeing a lot right now is, you know, additive flavors going into whiskey. You know, one of the, the main popular ones is the screwball whiskey. So it's like, you know, the peanut butter whiskey. I didn't even have that on the show sheet. Yeah, yeah, flavored, yeah. Flavored whiskey. yeah. So I think that's a that's a big trend you see going on right now. Personally, not a big fan of it. Um, yeah, like that's. I think as long as there have been like spirits, and especially since I came up as bartending, as a bartender, I inevitably things are going to get flavored. Like inevitably, there's going to be flavored like everything. Like right. flavored vodka was massive when I started coming up as a as a bar professional, and it hasn't really gone away. Um, Birthday cake vodka. Yeah. Remember the oak flavored vodka? No. Remember how they, they, there was a thing that they were going to do? I never even tried it. There was a thing they were going to do where it was still going to be vodka, but it was oak flavored in case you All right. wanted your vodka to sort of taste like whiskey. Strange, but okay. Yeah. Which it's is less calories, you know. That's like, that's clear Pepsi, is what that is. It's a really, really bad idea. And I can't imagine it tasted good. Um, but yeah, the flavored whiskey thing, I, I mean, Admittedly, I tried Screwball when it first came out. Um, a rep brought it to me, and he was like so sheepish when he brought it in. Like he like had it in his bag, and then he like pulled it out of the bag. Like, you want to try this? And it was, <laughs> it was, it was. I mean, I know that people like it. I, it's it's very very easy to drink if you're really into sugary stuff. But that's a hard concept for me to get my head around. Yeah, and I would personally die if I drank it. So. Yeah, the whole peanut peanuts. Thing, yeah, yeah, that would, would, that would, would not be good. <laughs> That's an easy way to get out of a, a free shot. Right, yeah, yeah. No, I can't do it. But, I mean, you could say the same Kill thing me. about, like, you know, like, same with, like, Fireball. Like, there is a market for it. Oh, yeah. I mean, if, if you're a whiskey professional, you know you know what Fireball has helped do for, for Buffalo Trace Azrak. Like, I mean, that's that's a moneymaker for them, and yeah. it, it opens up a lot of opportunities. Um, so there is a... There's a use for some of that stuff. It pays bills. It allows for other product to hit the market. But I think for the sake of this conversation, we're gonna take those products out. Yeah, right? absolutely. Yeah. Because they yeah. become almost a they become a secondary category. Right. You know, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's flavored whiskey or whiskey-based liqueur because a lot of them aren't even foolproof. No, yeah. So that's not that's not really gonna be covered. Right. Um, probably ever in our show. <laughs> like maybe ever. So um, there's that. I, that is definitely a trend, though. Oh, for sure. I, although I don't think we really get asked for it. Not so much, much here, no. Because no. we know R&R um, &R is in Fenton. Uh, we're a craft cocktail bar, kind of the biggest craft, craft cocktail bar in the area. And I think a lot of people come in that are kind of ready to do like whatever it is we're offering, which is really great. So we don't get asked for that stuff that much. I think the shots that are built out of it. Yeah, yeah, mainly. But again, we're also not, you know, kind of like a, we're not really a shop bar either. So no. it's... But it's it's time and place, you know, and I think eventually we will talk, be talking about time and place, but that'll be a different episode. <laughs> I guess one thing is like if I always try to approach this often from a cocktail standpoint, especially if it's a product like that, like what's the use for it? What what can I do with it that I want to give to to my guests? And flavored spirits are difficult because. Oftentimes, that kind of flavor manipulation is something that we'd rather have in our own hands. So if I can make right. a syrup, or if I can make a shrub, or if I can make a, a batch of bitters and, and do that, then it allows me to moderate how much of that flavor goes into the, the cocktail or into the, the whiskey. Yeah. Instead of buying a pre-flavored spirit, which is, you know, kind of get what you get, and then you have to work around that. Yeah. So yeah. I, 
I stay away from those just because when it comes to the recipes, you know, right. I'd rather have yeah, as far control. as as far as cocktail making is concerned, it's a little bit more kind of like limiting as opposed to being like a, right. a better tool for right. cocktail making for sure. Right. Not that all flavored spirits are bad. Like I'm oh, for sure. yeah. looking at you, pineapple plantation. Oh, yes. So good. One of the most beautiful flavored spirits I think I've ever had. Yeah, yeah. We should have an episode where it's just five minutes of us drinking out of a pineapple. <laughs> yes. We'll do it in the yes. summer. Yes, yes. Uh, it gives me plenty of time to shop for a Hawaiian shirt. Although you already have some. So oh yes. It's good. Uh, yeah. So I mean, what else? What else is? Uh, um, is I, talking about? I mean, I feel like you're also seeing a lot of um, a lot of different uh, barrel aging techniques, and you know, different types of wood yeah. used in those barrels, and um, I think you're seeing a lot of prevalence in that recently. Um, Barrel finishing is everything right now. It's yeah. a lot yeah. of people. Double oaked Woodford Reserve is one that. It's a huge one. Yeah, I mean, one of the first ones. I mean, so you gotta. It seems like a new trend. Like it totally seems new. Yeah. Until you start looking at UK whiskey. Right. Yeah. And then yeah. I mean, they've been aging um, scotch in sherry scotch. and other like fortified wine barrels forever. Yeah. Um, you you can't really talk about Macallan or Balvenie without. Talking about the barrel. Without barrel. that, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's synonymous with what that tastes like. Yep. The breadth of it and the fact that it's crossed over the Atlantic into mm -hmm. American whiskey, that's new. Yeah. Um, yep. And that's in, that's pretty interesting. Some of them are failed experiments, and some of them are really good. Yep, I would say so. Uh, really, really the, good. The Parker's Heritage we just got in, the toasted, extra toasted? It's a heavy char. Heavy char, yeah, yeah, so yeah. So that's manipulating the, the, the level of char in the barrel. Mm -hmm. And that's cool because it's like a hot whiskey. Yeah. It's hot because it's 120 proof. And also and because the they barrel, char the crap yeah, out of the barrel. The charred barrel, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I think when I did the research on it for the social media post I did, it was normally their barrels are level three char, the, the heavy char is Which is fairly five. standard. Like level yeah. three is kind of the sweet spot, I think, for a lot of people. I think so, yeah. Yep, yep. I didn't know that was a level five, but that's that that explains a yeah. lot about what it's rowdy. It's a rowdy yeah. whiskey. <laughs> if you can get it, get it. It's the Parker's Heritage stuff is always really expensive, but um, that whiskey is hundred percent worth worth. The, the money, unless yeah. you know you're getting gouged secondary, which we will we'll get to that in a moment. Yeah. <laughs> um, I also think that like one of the things that's fascinating to me because when I came up, um, especially with UK whiskey, like age statements were massive. Like you know, is it a 12 year? Is it a 15 year? Is it an 18 year? Where's the sweet spot? I have to have it at this age. Right. Like that was really really important. Mm -hmm. And now that conversation is totally flipped, and age statements I think have never mattered less. Well, I also so think in terms of quality. Yeah, sure. yeah, absolutely. And I also think that kind of marketing, focusing mainly on your age, age statement, can be kind of misleading yeah. because if you have a bottle of 12-year Macallan, there could be, you know, that's only the youngest spirit that's in there. Right. There could be 18-year-old Macallan in there, you sure. know, it's... Sure. And I think that, you know, you're, you're a slave to that, to that flavor profile and that, that brand forever. Like, yeah. Glenlivet 12 is going to taste like Glenlivet 12. Always and forever, yeah. and it's a really good whiskey. Mm -hmm. But some of the non-age statement stuff has been really, really, really interesting. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, Brooklady is part of that conversation. Ardbeg is part of that conversation. Glenfiddich has done some cool non-age statement whiskeys. Mm -hmm. The Fire and Cane was really, really, really good. Yeah, that was a rowdy whiskey. Yeah, I really like that one. Yeah, and they kind of got to they got to manipulate it in their own way and kind of make something really specific that had a yeah. lot of creativity to it. Because that was that was the peated and then what rum barrel age? Is that right? Yes, I think so. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah which is just taking a cue from their um, their kind of like brothers under the William Grant yeah. uh, portfolio, yeah. um, uh, Balvany, uh, yeah. Caribbean Cast 14, which is an excellent Fantastic. product as well. Yeah. So the, yeah, non-age statement and um, and blended scotch. Like blended scotch was always seen as less than when I right. came up, 
And now, I mean, there's producers of blended scotch that are making whiskey every bit as good. If monkey better shoulder. than some single malts, yeah. Dude, I praise monkey shoulder all the time. Like, uh, I, I hope Adil sees this because we've already called out. Here's <laughs> 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 Adil, William Grant. Right. <laughs> we'll have you on the show sometimes. It's gonna be awesome. Uh, yeah, monkey shoulder is fantastic. Yeah. Shackleton. Yeah. Um, and if you if you can take one thing from any of our whiskey conversations as you see these podcasts or listen to these podcasts, um, is the, is the product uh, products from Compass Box. Uh, yes. We're going to hype Compass Box again. You're going to hear them again. There will probably be a show dedicated to their products. But if you think blended scotch is somehow a less than product and can't achieve the heights of great single malt, Compass Box will absolutely change absolutely your mind. Absolutely change your mind. Yeah. Yep. yep. I, I, I couldn't love them any more than I do. And we'll probably touch on them millions. We could probably do an entire episode about our love for Compass I Box, so. honestly. Yeah, I think so. Like just. Just because of how many diverse products they're they're creating, yeah, for sure, um, and how they they almost have literally made a whiskey for everybody, unless you absolutely only drink bourbon, right? Um, yeah, yeah. They've got it's just it's wild what they're what they're doing. Um, so you know, with blended scotch becoming, um, I, I think with better blended scotch on the market, especially in the affordable range, I think scotch is becoming more affordable, affordable and approachable. Yes, for sure, absolutely. Yeah. And I did the I did a little bit of a dive on the numbers, and scotch still went up like seventeen percent last year. Nice, which is great. And yeah, that scotch awesome. was up more than that, mm-hmm. and that's with tariffs. That's with like yeah. it's with yeah. some some because those are bumped up. By, yeah, a little forty five, weren't they? <laughs> they were, but I think a lot of the companies just just really stocked up. Yeah. So that the price mm-hmm. the the price increase didn't hit us as much. Yeah, makes sense. Like a lot of our product didn't go up. Mm-hmm. And, you know, hopefully that you know that doesn't happen in the future because. Scotch is more accessible than ever, and I think, I think it needs to continue to be, mm. uh, because it, it can be a little less approachable than bourbon because bourbon is, is inherently sweeter. Right. So it's easier to get into bourbon. Well, I think it, it has this kind of like mystique around it. Scotch does that, it, like it's only for like old guys and smoking jackets and you know really expensive bottles. Yeah, and it's exactly. Definitely not that. Yeah. Because there's you know you can get a fantastic bottle of. Uh, Single malt or blended scotch for you know under you know under forty bucks. So yeah, under forty or fifty dollars. Yeah, and I mean if you're really on a budget, that's still going to sound expensive. But if you see what people pay for bourbon on the secondary market, that's pennies. Right. Really, it's it's very very affordable. And for great scotch, that's still a really good price. But I I mean, at the end of the day, the most affordable great categories of whiskey are probably still bourbon and Irish. Absolutely. I mean, if you really want to spend, you know. if you're on a, you know, got champagne taste on a beer budget, that's mm, yeah, that's kind of what you want to sure. buy. Um, and locals, locals, local, yes, local distilleries, yep, yep, a big thing, especially in our lovely mid state of Michigan. Yeah, um, you just see, I mean, I see constantly distilleries popping up, you know, every couple of years and doing really good stuff. Um, was it Traverse City? Has yeah. one up there? They do and like, Mammoth, 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 especially. Yep. Yeah, yep. I tasted some stuff recently from Mammoth over. The holiday that a regular brought in, and it was it was really interesting. It was much better than the stuff from Mammoth I, I originally tasted. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't. If I I think it's important to to remember as we kind of like force you know put our opinions out there. Um, oftentimes, I'll, I'm going to try to be as open as possible about telling you whether or not I dislike it because stylistically it's not my bag or because I think it's poorly made. Right. There's a lot of stuff from local distilleries over the past few years that I've tasted that I didn't really like mm. because I thought it was too young yeah. or, or stylistically what Michigan stuff. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. We could probably do a blind Michigan show. That would be fun. And that yeah. would be a lot of fun. Yeah. We'd have to have yeah. um, one of our other 
people, uh, maybe Courtney, who's going to join us on this podcast eventually, she would probably help us facilitate that. But um, yeah, Mammoth, Grand Traverse. Valentine. Valentine. The Mayor Pingree stuff is getting a lot of love yeah, on yep, the internet yep, right yep. now. Yeah. I think they're based on what, like a nine year of Mayor Pingree? Yeah, but I tasted some barrel proof stuff that was pretty cool. Nice. Which with the level of sweetness Pingree has, mm -hmm. I think that like makes the sense. higher proof stuff makes more sense to me, to yeah. my palate, than the lower proof stuff. It's kind of a good segue into the into the fact that we want to talk about that higher proof is not always necessarily better. Yeah, you know? high, higher proof is tough, guys. Yeah. Like, I know, I know you all love it. I get it. It's super strong. It's really sweet. It's easy to drink, even though it's super strong. But I think I, the trend that I see, and this is something I'm going to try to be nice about while also sort of hating, <laughs> is that. Barrel proof whiskey is kind of like the new Imperial Stout Triple IPA, and kind of like the new fifteen percent super oaked Napa Cab. Yeah. Where it's so desired and so appreciated by so many people that it becomes almost a benchmark to where if the whiskey isn't like that, it's somehow bad or less than. Which I could not disagree yeah, with. Yeah, which more. is not true at all. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean it's it's you can find perfectly beautiful elegant whiskeys that sit around that you know that 90 94 proof that even are, under yeah yeah even under that are have a lot more like robustness and you know elegant flavors as opposed to something that's you know 120 or 135 proof or whatever. yeah i mean barrel proof whiskey is very shiny and very big and it blows your palate to pieces it's right. it's flavors are so expansive and, and massive that it is 100% an impact maker, and it's what you remember because it tasted like the most. Mm -hmm. But I think elegance and sophistication are are always going to be part of the whiskey oh, game. Oh, the conversation, absolutely, yeah. 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 And you know, you always get those guys that are like they're the whiskey guy who only drinks, you know, barrel proof and will never mess around with Buffalo Trace that sits at 90 proof because that's not for him. It's not you know strong yeah. enough or whatever. But yeah. Well, like, you know, like sometimes you might want to have a dram at three o'clock and mow the lawn and maybe 130 proof stag is not the right <laughs> not choice. Not the way to go. Yeah. Um, you live your own life, but there's an enjoy. I mean, if you want to taste and you want to taste more than, you know, a couple, a couple products and you're doing like half drams or, or you know, half ounces, um, there's only so much barrel proof you can drink. Yeah. Yeah. You're only going to last so long. Yeah. Like, I, stopped, I stopped messing around with double IPAs. For the most part because like i you have like two pints of beer and then you know i feel like it's I think a lot. heavy and full and yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so i don't I, I refuse to judge a whiskey on its proof mm. unless the proof doesn't justify and work in harmony with the other elements in the whiskey right for instance very very sweet bourbons i tend to like higher proof because it gives Absolutely. balance to the whiskey and it doesn't taste like candy right yep yeah yeah, if you got something sitting, you know, that lower proof and it's just like super sweet, super barrel heavy, it can be very aggressive on the palate and in, in not a fantastic way. Right. <laughs> but that's not to say high proof is bad. I just plenty of high proof whiskeys that I really, really like. And I happen to like my bourbons over 100 proof as a rule because corn is very sweet. Right. Yeah. Yep. And I like my scotches no, lower. No, comparing something like rye to bourbon, you know, rye, I prefer, you know, 100, 100 maybe like 110 is like the highest I like to go with rye because it's already so inherently yeah, spicy. Yeah, because then it can you know? blow your palate up. Right, exactly. For sure. Yeah. Like yeah. Pikesville is a really good scene. 
Yes, yep. I think Pikesville's a great ceiling for, yeah. for proof and spiciness. And it stands up, and Pikesville to me also has enough like sweetness to stand up to that. that yeah. Whatever. Yeah, Heaven Hill's got, got rye down because yeah. they, they also make Rittenhouse, which is one of the best products for the money still, um, years and years in. And that's a 100 proof bonded rye, which is yeah. really, really great. I'm yeah. sure most people listening to the show um, know what Rittenhouse is. But if you don't and you like making cocktails at home, go just go grab it. Yeah, it's under thirty bucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Super it's, fantastic. You can bang it out in a, in a juice-based shaken cocktail or a stirred one. Yep, all day. No problem. Yep. So yeah, barrel proof is barrel proof is interesting because it very much is the trend, and where there are plenty of barrel proof whiskeys that have great virtue and like are really, really, really good. Barrel proof does not always equal great. Right. Yep. I think that's that's yep. an important thing to do. You just gotta like pump the brakes a little yeah. bit on barrel. Again, back to the to that point you made about, you know, the Imperial stuff, the triple IPAs, you know, that trend of like, you know, five years ago or whatever, like it's because it has aggressive flavors does not always mean it's the best tasting product or the the it's or that it's more well made or anything like that. It's you know, it's entirely um, you know, subjective. So. Yeah. So like think about it the way you would think of food. Like you taste a really you taste a dessert and the first couple tastes are like amazing and it's just like oh my gosh it's so much flavor it's so rich it's so sweet and then by the end of it you like you passed half of it off because you can't eat it yeah you don't eat dessert for every meal <laughs> right or like a sauce based dish yeah where the first two bites of the sauce like oh my god you gotta try this this is, this is killer mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden you can't like you can't stop being overwhelmed by salt or or how or maybe the the sauce is imbalanced mm -hmm. or any number of things so like great there are things that taste great the first time you taste them mm -hmm. or when you're first evaluating them but then after a while don't like it doesn't become a whiskey i want to drink again right yeah yep yep so what you want to move on to some uh, troublesome trends that we found uh, well barrel proof is <laughs> only barrel proof is awesome it's sort of a troublesome trend because yeah. it excludes like 95 percent of the rest of the conversation mm, yeah and i think gives virtue to things based only on strength mm. which um you know if that were true we could probably just steep everclear in like right. in, yeah. in wood, <laughs> and eventually that'd be that'd be great actually um, before we get into that though we should talk about um world whiskey yeah kind of sneaking into bars more and more that's a trend i'm down for you know? yeah, yeah absolutely like, that's a trend i'm totally down for because we've been evaluating whiskey for the longest time based on primarily stuff from from Kentucky, Ireland, and Scotland. Right. You know, and Jap Japanese whiskey kind of starts the conversation because that's been hit for a while. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The Japanese highball, I yeah. think, was definitely instrumental in, in that's the, a big one. Yeah, popularizing it. Really, it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just gonna apologize to our neighbors from the north. Uh, I I'm trying to get behind Canadian stuff. I just <laughs> I haven't had the whiskey that truly, um, truly took it over the edge. I've had good ones, but I haven't had anything that, that's really that great. Yeah. I'm going to keep giving it a shot. Yeah. Always keep an open mind about it. But I yeah. feel the same way. Like, I haven't had a bottle that I was like, this is, you know, definitively the most <laughs> did fantastic. You, did you ever drink any of that uh, uh, Northern Harvest Rye, the Crown Royal, after it won? It was like Jim Murray put it number one in the whiskey bottle oh, that no. one year. Mm -hmm. Everybody flipped out because <laughs> they were so appalled that a Crown Royal product had, had been given whiskey of the year from the whiskey bible and you know because they didn't see that it was good enough to have won that title and um those online whiskey 
whiskey tribes, I'm sure, were, they, you know, they were up right, in arms about it. They were right about that one. But like, you know, at the end, it's like, okay, drink what you like. It's your money. You right, yeah. Your money or yeah. whatever you want. Yeah. Um, and at the end of the day, you know, the best way to drink whiskey is the whiskey you like, however you like to drink it. Yeah, do yeah. drink it out of a shoe if you want. Right, but yeah. The only reason my opinion matters is if you're listening to this podcast and or sitting at my bar and you can still tell me to go to hell or kick rocks <laughs> afterwards if you want. But, um, you know, it's our podcast. We do get to say right, yeah, that Northern yeah. Harvest arrived from Crown Royal is pretty awful. <laughs> it's bad. But again, what are the other, what are the, what trends bother you? Uh, so I'm old and I've been doing this for a long time. So like, <laughs> I'm just getting, I'm full grumpy old man now. Right. So right. it all bothers me. Well, I think, I think it's uh, one thing that I have noticed that I am not keen on is, you know, say a couple comes in, they sit down and the guy attempts to order a drink for his lady. And he says, well, she, she, she'll never like whiskey. You know, whiskey's like a man's drink or whatever, or something like that. Like anytime I hear that, that just really irks me. Cause it's like, and then I think that also kind of unfortunately steeps into the woman's mind that, well, yeah, I, I only like to drink clear spirits. I could never give whiskey a chance, but you know, you make them something like, even just like a simple whiskey sour that they may have never had before can completely change their mind. So I think it's just, you know, these preconceived notions. Well, yeah, absolutely. I mean, those are, uh, whiskey's got a boys club associated with it like anything absolutely, else, you know? Yeah. But I, there are more women who come in and drink Isla Scotch Neat than there are men yeah. at our bar. Absolutely, yeah. Um, Which is an interesting trend, I think, for our It bars. is, yeah, it really is. Um, my wife prefers peated scotch to other, you know, dark spirit styles. But I think that that's a, that's a bad assumption. And if guys, if you're on a date, that's a poor move. Yeah. Yeah. Not the whole ordering, trying to order a drink for your girlfriend or significant other. At, yeah. Well, unless they, unless they tell you. Yeah. To. Unless they tell you to. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah like, yeah. yeah. Um, I tend to order the wine because I worked in wine yeah, for, sure. for so long. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That answer's just like, okay, just like just pick me something good. Yeah. But the you know the and guy don't who, spend too the much. guy who sits down and says, Oh, I'll give her a tequila shot. If she, if she tells me no, she doesn't want a tequila shot. She's not getting She's not a tequila shot. Yeah. So it's like um sorry, I'm sorry, dude, but like Yeah, yeah. yeah. Like chill out, man. <laughs> yeah, that's a trend that extends across the beverage board, yeah. across the, the, the yeah. that's just a bad bar trend. Right. Yeah. In general. As far as uh, whiskey trends go, you know, I think we all know the one, the whiskey guy or the bourbon guy, you know, who is wearing, has has all a jacket covered in whiskey pins and, you know, all that. <laughs> I haven't seen the pins in a long time. I've got some. They are out there, though. My 1792 goat is really comfortable, and I'm going to keep it. Well, going. fair enough. Um, but. It's like flair at, what was it, Ruby Tuesdays or whatever that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You do not have enough flair. Shar used to wear flair when she worked here. She did. Yeah, we had a bunch of pop some pins, but yeah, she, she owned it. Um, yeah, I think like whiskey tribalism, I guess, to riff off what you said before, mm -hmm. is uh, it's a thing, man. Like, I, like ganging up and, and picking on people because they like lower proof or because they don't like, you know, stag or they, they, they like a whiskey that you think is like maybe marginal. Like there are plenty of people out there who like great whiskey and can evaluate great whiskey who still have brands that are kind of cheap that they really, really like. Sure. And that's totally okay. Like a guy I talk to a lot who comes in here um, uh, often is in a whiskey club member, um, uh, Double B. Mm -hmm. uh, he is, uh, I mean, he knows as much about whiskey as anybody in this area and he has a fantastic home bar and dude likes Jack Daniels yeah. a lot. And that's totally fine. I told my rep that I would never carry Jack Daniels because I just straight up don't like it. Um, but there's nothing wrong with, with liking it. And if you know, you could post 
there, there are these whiskey forums that you could post on of yourself having a jack on the rocks and people would just shred you. Yeah, completely crap on you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's kind of a bummer. Like if, if you're just getting into whiskey, and I hope that some of the people here listening are getting into whiskey, um, don't let that deter you. Yeah, yeah. man. If you want to drink CC and lemonade, then go for it. You know, mm -hmm. if it, the only reason to listen to us is maybe you wean something valuable and, uh, you get a couple brands that, that you like, or you just get a little bit of insight, and you're, you're you know, you're a happier whiskey drinker because of it. But picking on people for their, yeah, it's not, uh, cool. it's, it's, it's it's not cool. You know, like, <laughs> I can tell you what I think, and I mean, I hate Jack Daniels, but that's again not because I think it's poorly made, because it's I don't like Tennessee as a style usually, and it's very sweet, and I can't mm -hmm. use it in cocktails. Yeah, like for anything. It kind of yeah, it kind of. I mean, not to crap on too much, but it just kind of falls flat in cocktails, you know? Sure, sure. And then, I mean, a lot of people take shots of it. And I, if I'm going to shoot a whiskey, I'd, I'd rather it be Irish. Another troublesome trend that reminded me. Taking shots of whiskey, not a fan of it. Not usually, no. I think if you're, sh if personally for me, if I'm shooting anything, it'll be tequila. But I mean, you could have the same argument with tequila as you could, you know, whiskey that, you know, it's generally better to be sipped upon. And, to appreciate the the nuances of it, but people want to do shots, and it's a thing that does happen. But yeah. I just I don't see why you would want to shoot, you know, a hundred proof whiskey or something like that. That's <laughs> maybe parental for me. Yeah, because like you know, I've owned a bar, and like I just want you to enjoy your night, and just have a, right. a really really good. Time. Like, are you sure? Yeah, are you really sure. <laughs> yeah, like end of the night, I get it. Like there's there's occasions. Um, yeah. Uh, tailgates, you know, there's all sorts of reasons why you might want to do it. But if you have a bottle of Malort laying around that you want to that take you shots shoot. of, <laughs> you don't sip on Malort. That you shoot. 100%. If you're not familiar with Malort, Google it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, like, if you're gonna pay for it and you're in a nice spot, then you know, then enjoy it. But that I don't want to go too far into that because I feel no, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna be a lecturing, right. lecturing dad. Yeah, we can move on about that. it. And I, I already feel like I make you guys feel that way about me, so <laughs> I'm gonna walk that back. Um, so yeah, like also another thing with the social media trends for whiskey, and I think because bottle trading is inevitable, and um, and posting that awesome bottle that you got is inevitable. Um, I think that because the secondary market is big enough and is is a, is a huge influence on even what we do here, um, be aware of price gouging. Please do. Like there are lots of things that are priced based on secondary that are far, far too expensive, and it's going to lead to a couple things. It's going to lead to price gouging continuing right. forevermore, yeah. and also a lot of buyer's remorse. A lot of like you know, you're going to end up bagging on, on really good whiskey because you paid five times what you should have right. for right. it. And the really only way to stop that is to stop supporting places that price gouge. Mm -hmm. Like if you don't buy from them anymore, then their prices will go down to what they should be and you won't have to deal with it. Yeah, I think you're right. It can definitely affect your appreciation of the whiskey and the product if you pay five times the amount that you should for it because then you're always going to have that in the back of your head if you find, I think you'll nitpick it more right. going into it, you know? There's no reason to pay $200 for a bottle of Elmer G. Lee. No, yeah, absolutely. It's, Elmer G. Lee is great whiskey, mm -hmm. but it's not a $200 bottle of whiskey. Right. Yep. And um, especially with bourbon, because for me, bourbon was always like, there's blue collar nature to bourbon. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Yeah, so yeah. like ripping it up that much is kind of ridiculous. It's, it's, it's tough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh, and, it, it, and again, you see, it, especially, you know, in these online forums where, you know, you got dudes trying to sell bottles of, you know, whatever, like Pappy, you know, 12 or 15 or whatever for, for, you know, a thousand, 1200 bucks. And it's like, yeah, why? 
I, I get that it's hard to hard to find and hard so to So it's get. a great Instagram trophy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you can put it in your bourbon collection and you know not open it not for eight drink, months. Yeah. Yeah. Bourbon is meant to be drank, guys. <laughs> let's get let's get that straight. Yeah, like I, I think so. Like there, I mean, saving something for a special occasion is is great, but hoarding ninety-seven bottles that you haven't even opened yet, it's like. Mm. Again, yeah. if that's your thing and you want to do that, you go, you go right ahead. But me personally, you know, I think that it's made to be drank. So. I collected baseball cards too, but I eventually got stopped. <laughs> Comic books is what it was for me. Yeah. And now I just have a bunch of long boxes in my closet. I'm like, what am I going to do with these? Because they're now all worth, you know, 20 cents. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. Well, <laughs> you give them to needy kids who yeah, want to too. read yeah. Com yeah. comics. I don't know what kind of comics you have, but I'm sure they're, they're all, all the good ones. They're all Howard the Duck, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I had something, but I was gonna. I lost it. But like again, yeah. With um, with the price, the price gouging and the, and the pricing based on secondary, it extends to bar service too. So like, absolutely, there are plenty of bar owners or bar managers who also price their drams based on secondary, as if they're pricing based on what they could get if they auction the bottle. So you're gonna end up paying, you know, forty dollars for a dram of say Elmer T. Lee, mm -hmm. or you know. $250 for one ounce of, of Van Winkle Lot B. Right. That's not good. No, yeah. And don't pay that. Um, you're not going to enjoy it as much mm -hmm. unless you just don't care and you have the money. And good on you if you do. And I hope that your your life is awesome. And it, I'm glad that that doesn't bother you. But I wouldn't I wouldn't do it because then more bars will price that way. Right. Yeah. And yeah. Because then you make the whole, it the standard. The culture, it affects the culture. Right. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. And I think. I mean, you know, not to talk us up too much, but here at R&R, &R, you know, we're, we don't price gouge at all, really. No, I mean, there's a there's definitely a vanity tax that's put on some things right. because, you know, they're hard to get. But um, I also want the product to sell. And I want as many people to try it as possible so that I think that's important. But, you know, I get I get a bunch of, like, first-timers in here, you know, if they're really, you know, into drinking whiskey, they tell me all the time that, like, is this really like your price for like, you know, Hancock's Reserve or, you know, Parker's Heritage? I'm like, yeah. Like, wow, yeah. that's crazy. <laughs> you know, because other bars will, you, you know, like, they'll charge triple. Uh, we want to make money as much as, as much as anything else. But also, like, we want as many people to try it as possible. Yeah. And yeah. I don't want 95% of the people who could buy it priced out of, Absolutely. of buying yeah. it. Yeah. You know, yeah. and then I have inventory that I can't move. Right. Just sit on for years. Yeah, and years and yeah. Years. I'm not. I'm not a hotel in Dubai or, or, or a bar in New York City. It's, this is Genesee County, and I want the product to sell. And, you know, I want the bar to turn over inventory. So, um, and I also like if you just got like a Christmas check, and you're you know a dude like us, you should be able to drink that too. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Treat yourself. It's for yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's for you too, man. Um, so you wanna you wanna do um, you wanna do cocktails? Real yeah, quick? Let's I mean, we're gonna, cocktails. I don't want to go too close to the hour mark, but no, oh, yeah. I mean, we're rocking and rolling here. <laughs> yeah, we are. So cocktails, like whiskey and cocktails. Um, what what? I know you don't you don't do a lot of stirred whiskey cocktails. I don't really know. Yeah. Um, probably my number one whiskey cocktail, I would say in general, um, would be the Vukaret. Yeah, um, that's a great one. Classic uh, whiskey cocktail, rye, cognac, sweet vermouth, a little bit of orange liqueur, bitters as well. Um, Benedictine. Benedictine, yes, yeah. I should say. Um, but yeah, it's kind of... Balanced, man. Balanced, yeah, yeah. yeah. And this might be controversial. I'm not an old-fashioned guy. I personally do not really enjoy old-fashioned, but I think Vukare is... I think it's fine to not enjoy old-fashioned. I mean, I do, but like... With an old fashioned, you're so close to whiskey on the rocks that I can see yeah. saying like, okay, well, and at that why, point, yeah, I would just rather why would I just 
strict mm -hmm. on its own. Yeah. 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 So that's kind of my opinion about it. Um, it, as far as like, you know, like shaken whiskey drinks, um, whiskey sours are always great. Yeah. There's one called the prize fighter that I've really been digging recently. Bourbon, lemon, honey, peach liqueur. Yep. Fantastic summer drink. Um, how about you? The Presbyterian is a fantastic. Oh drink. yes, I forgot about yeah, that. Yeah, it's a blended Scotch ginger syrup, lemon, and club soda. It's it's rock and roll. Awesome. Super simple but super great. Yeah, yeah. That's one of my favorites. Um, there's an Irish one called the Tipperary, which I really like, mm -hmm. which is a Manhattan riff with green chartreuse and yellow. Uh, excuse me, green chartreuse and sweet vermouth. Yeah, I like that because Irish whiskey is really really mellow, so it provides like a really smooth. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah, I always see you pull that one out, and I'm like, I always forget about. It. I'm like, you know what? That is a damn. I like I like Irish whiskey. Yeah, and yeah, I like scotch yeah. and cocktails a lot. Now, the penicillin is one that's really popular right now, that, which is great. It's a yeah. variant on a sour. Penicillin, um, great intro for people into peated scotch as well. I yeah, think. because it's just a that float. little float of, of peated scotch on yep. top. Yeah. Though the, the New York sour is a really good one. And um, like pro tip, if you have a bottle of wine, like a red wine that you opened like two days ago and you have like a glass in it and you're maybe it's not tasting the way it should. Um, if you make a New York sour, you just make you know, bourbon, lemon, simple. Yeah. You shake it and you float red wine on top. And it's I've a done great that way so many times. Yeah. Kill off like red. four ounces of, yep. uh, you know, just yep. a little bit. You make a couple of them, you can kill off that wine without dumping it. And it's a party pleaser. It looks real cool when you float the red wine on top. People it does really like look it. cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, those are, those are just ones that, um, that I think are really great. We'll, we can't get too much into cocktails right now because we don't want it to go on for too long, but right. we'll have a, we'll have a demo. We'll do cocktail demos on these two. Yeah. We'll take you through some of the some of the ones. A Manhattan one would be fun. Mm -hmm. I know a lot of you know how to make a Manhattan, but the, I'd like to get into there's the, some, the black there's Manhattan. Some whips and some tweaks you can do to yeah, it. Yeah, the Boulevardiers are great. Yeah. Um, those are just really cool variant variants on a Manhattan. Remember this the more simple a cocktail structure is, you know, two or three or four ingredients, the easier it is to make variants of that cocktail. So there's yeah. lots of different ways. You guys know that from being at home and putting maple syrup in your old fashions or mm -hmm. vanilla syrup or mm -hmm. walnut liqueur in you know Manhattan and the possibilities are endless. Yeah. It's a really yeah. great way to As long as you have that, that base of kind of like a base recipe for the drink you're making, you yeah. can riff on it all day. Yeah, know? just like a sauce. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, okay, so we're gonna we're gonna get um, I guess a little bit into uh, just some last bits of information that we want to impart, but like uh, you know, how would you advise somebody to like, if you like only like bourbon mm -hmm. but you wanna know more. I mean, Irish is very approachable, but, and we're going to touch on Irish in March because our third episode is actually going to be called the, the Rise and Fall and Rise Again of Irish Whiskey. So we're kind of leaving Irish off because we've got a show dedicated to it around um, St. Patrick's Day. I think we're bringing Courtney into that one. Courtney's yeah. going to, Courtney yeah, will be Courtney's here essentially writing that episode. So nice. she's going to, she's going to be, and bring she knows to it. basically everything about it. So yeah, that's she does. Good. <laughs> um, but like scotch, like where do you, where, where's the entryway to the scotch for you? Well, I think, you know, for me, if I'm behind the bar and I get a guy who comes in, mainly bourbon drinker, who wants to kind of dip his toes into the scotch pool, I think I would personally try to pick, you know, bottles or brands that are a little bit more, you know, heavy on the on the barrel aging. Um, maybe, you know, like something like uh, Glenfiddich 14 would that's be a great one. That's an obvious one. one. Yep, yeah, yep, that's always the obvious pull. Yeah. Um, you know, something that's that has that that nice barley character but maybe is a little beefed up somehow so yeah. you still get that that bourbon yeah. kind of body to it and unpeated probably unpeated for sure yeah, yeah absolutely yeah because remember yeah. peat equals smoke and earthiness right and that. right that's kind of for most people the last flavor yeah they get into you don't want to yeah. you don't want to throw a bourbon drinker into you know an art bag or something like that yeah. right out the gate because they'll be like i never want to taste scotch again so remember scotch can taste more harsh even though it's not 
as proof because corn is sweet, mm. barley is less so. Right. So even like a lower proof scotch can taste more aggressive on somebody's palate Absolutely. right away because it doesn't have the corn sweetness. Mm -hmm. So another one I like is um, Glen Morangy, uh, uh, Kinterubben or, or Lausanne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. then you've got yeah. like port or sherry barrel finish mm -hmm. in a whiskey that's 86 proof and just mellow and yeah. very, very round and very, very pleasing. Balvenie uh, Doublewood, too, I think would be a good one. If you've got the coin for it, yeah. yeah. yeah Balvenie is more expensive, but yeah. it's really, really nice. Yeah. So I think something, you know, like we said, like something that's has that nice body and character to it, but not really that peat smoke. Um, yeah, just kind of like be gentle with them when you're trying to get them into it. Yeah. Like, although I will say for me personally, with the first scotch that I ever latched onto was Ardbeg 10. Like, as soon as I tried that, I was like, I'm in, yeah. let's well, go. <laughs> yeah, well, I think you're, uh, people are either of the, of like three categories, right? Like they, they're either always going to hate peated scotch. Sure. Yeah. Um, in a teeny tiny proportion, there's people who are always meant to love it. Right. Of which you and I are both. Yeah. Both people. Yep. Or people who can gain the appreciation, can mm -hmm. teach themselves to like it. That's a longer road. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it can be done. And it takes time. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But I don't think that there's any style of whiskey that once you like it, inspires a more fervent appreciation. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Than peated scotch. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Because once you once you know that that peat's gonna be there and you have that in your head, then you can kind of pick out the little like intricacies of right. you know the difference between like something like Kalila to Talisker or something like that. You know. Yeah, like, something that tastes like you know earth and fruit versus something that tastes like brine. Brine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or even like the big maltiness of a Lagavulin. Yeah. Right, which is a it's a weightier scotch in every way. For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So I guess um, what are you what are you sipping on there, buddy? We'll we'll, um, we'll, we we'll end, we'll end with a share and then we'll. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I am currently sipping on the Dead Rabbit, right here. Fantastic little Irish whiskey. Um, honestly, you can probably speak to it more than I can because I know you are a gigantic fan. I am. Yeah. It's associated with a legendary bar in in New York, um, which someday I will get to go to. And if you haven't, if you're a fan of bar books. Um, both like bar philosophy or cocktail recipes or just kind of stories behind bars. The Dead Rabbit um, cocktail book, Mixology and Mayhem, I believe is the subtitle, is 100% worth your money. It's it's a fantastic book. It's a great read. These guys are bar legends. The book is half graphic novel. Uh, don't leave it lying around. It's for your a kids very adult see. graphic yeah. novel. <laughs> that is. Don't leave it around for your kids to page through. But. Um, but it's awesome. Great addition to your bar library. Yeah. And these guys work in Dublin libraries. They have the biggest, uh, so to backtrack, Dead Rabbit has the biggest selection of Irish whiskey in the country. Oh, wow. Okay. I believe it's the biggest one at this point. And they worked with Dublin libraries to uh, uh, to make their own whiskey. So this is the house whiskey for the bar, Dead Rabbit. And what, it's just like 80 proof? Or 88 proof, and it's yep. a five-year product. Yeah. And it, even though it is an Irish whiskey, and I think a lot of people generally think that Irish whiskey is just like, Really like mellow, gentle. This is kind of a, a rowdy, rowdy boy right yep. here. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah. it's priced to be in cocktails too, which is great because it right. kills it in cocktails. Yeah, yeah. If you can get it, but it's been better. We've been able to get it pretty regularly. Yeah, yeah, this yeah, year. yeah. We had yeah. trouble last year, um, but that was pandemic times. And, and I mean, I pour it for really people all the time. You still know, pandemic times. If, they, if, they, if they're fans of Jameson, I'm like, let me let me give you something. <laughs> you <Right>. know. <laughs> For a couple bucks more, it's a big upgrade. Now you can talk about. Like, oh, so like, I didn't realize, but we both picked five-year whiskeys. Oh, you're right, we did. <laughs> so, well, you know, younger whiskeys are tasting better, and just because it's it's younger doesn't mean it's bad. Right. Um, you can see that in micro distilleries. You can see that in scotches or UK whiskeys that are experimenting with younger um, age statements, uh, and you know stuff like New Riff. 
is oh, yeah. five years old. Like yeah. right now their stock I think is five years old. Um, but I'm really eager to try more of their stuff because the barrel picks that people do from New River get a lot of attention. Mm-hmm. Um, the bottles are ridiculous and they got a colored bottle color. Yeah, yeah, stuff, yeah, but, they're cool. Um, one of my favorites recently, and this is, if you want to do peated scotch and you don't want to spend an arm and a leg, uh, this bad boy came out last year. This is the Art Bag Wee Beastie. It's a five-year uh, single malt. It's peated like you can't believe, and it's earthy and raw and young and obnoxious. And, and I hot. Think, <laughs> I think it's absolutely fantastic. Um, You'll probably get sick of hearing me mention Ardbeg in the podcast, but it's my favorite distillery. And We're going to mention it a lot. Yeah, <laughs> if I could drink one whiskey's one one distillery's whiskey for the rest of my life, it would be Ardbeg. And to have a five-year product that is affordable, gives me all the peat that I want. That's that's the one. So it's, it's a really really cool whiskey, mm-hmm. and definitely is flying under the radar for a lot of people for sure in this country anyway mm-hmm. right now or this our part of the country. So. Um, yeah, that's our first show. We kind of went on a long one, but we did it. <laughs> we can talk about whiskey for a long time, guys. Yeah. So thanks for. We are two bartenders. You got to remember. Yeah. So. <laughs> thanks for tuning in. Um, yeah. Thank you to iLogic Media. Yeah, absolutely. iLogic, shout out to you guys. These guys have been awesome in helping us get this off the off the ground. So yeah, we uh, we say cheers to everybody and uh, cheers to you, sir. Oh, thanks. <laughs> and as hit us up on our next episode, episode two, which is going to be entitled "When in Rome," and it's basically about approaching. And kind of going with the flow, um, just kind of using the, each bar for what it is. Yeah. And yeah. trying to find enjoyment no matter what the bar's specialty is. Yeah. yeah. So look forward to that. All right. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers.